big beat manifesto goes, big beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. I thought you were a business brain, Mark, but you're better than that. You're what my grandma would call a real piece of shit. Yeah? It's a great plan. Hans is the star, Jeremy's the second stringer. Let's fuck him. That's our dick. That's Jeremy's asshole. We're fucking him. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the El Dude Brothers podcast, episode 35. My name is Sean, and Laura, you are what my grandmother would call a real piece of shit. <laughs> Hi, my name's Laura, and I believe that crystal skulls were crafted in Atlantis and are a powerful centre of healing, which God knows I could do with at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. I've been following your... Uh medical adventures on facebook yes yeah, so i've now got a seven centimeter long stomach ulcer i found out today so i'm being treated a seven centimeters is apparently big for a stomach ulcer uh i think it's been there for like three years probably just festering away so i'm now being treated for that as well jesus so is your gallbladder still infected or do they think the ulcer was the actual cause of everything? So my gallbladder was infected. It isn't anymore. They checked that today and that's gone down nicely. Um, but my the ulcer potentially was what was causing the pain or maybe it was having a knock-on effect to the gallbladder. I get the feeling they don't really know, to be honest. But hey, there's an ulcer in there too now. So. Oh, that's so nice. I mean, it's yeah. like, fuck. <laughs> so I can't drink coffee. can't eat anything spicy. Like, it's just going to be a very bland few few months for me, I think. Jesus Christ, my wife would just cry if she couldn't drink coffee. I'm going to cry. I don't know how I'm going to get through work. <laughs> can you drink soda, or is that too acidic? Uh, I can I can drink it if it hasn't got caffeine in it, but caffeine's <sighs> what you need, isn't it? So, Oh my what's, god. What's the point? I'm not just going to have a Sprite, am I, to get me through the day? Sprite and a caffeine pill, you're gonna be fucking. A, you're gonna become like a cokehead or something like that. Yeah. How have you been? Oh, I've been doing good. Have you been watching any of the Winter Olympics? I know Great Britain traditionally not really a, a Winter Olympic country, but have you been watching anything? No, I haven't really. I've seen some of it. Uh, it was on in the hospital today, and I have seen bits and pieces of it, but no, not really. You've been watching a lot of it, I gather. Oh, uh, like I was telling you before we started recording for for three years out of the out of a four-year cycle i don't give a shit about curling but when it comes olympic time i just like fall in love with curling that's good how are america doing are you doing well in it um we had well we had <laughs> we had a 17 year old snowboarder that won a, an olympic medal and he yelled holy fuck when it was announced that he won so that was really <laughs> funny um our mixed doubles curling team did pretty good and uh yeah that was pretty much it my the highlight of my olympics though has been watching this french biathlon uh contestant martin forsad just like crushing the biathlon like he god damn he's just so good at the biathlon uh mm, nice he can ski and shoot better than anybody i've ever seen mm, i was watching the one where they ski uphill with the poles no i skate uphill with the poles man that looks like that looks hard do cross country i was talking to somebody about this on like i can't remember if it was saturday or sunday but i was watching um the cross country skiing and i was just like 
I cannot fucking imagine the level of fitness it would take to be able to do that. Yeah, it just looks basically impossible, and they're doing it like they're making it look like they're basically just walking. I mean, a nice stroll on a sunny day. Like, it just looks dreadful. Oh my god, I know. It looks crazy. Mm. Cross-country skiing has never been something I've enjoyed. I I love downhill skiing. Like, actually doing it. Like, I love it. Sorry, I didn't mean to hit my microphone there. I'm just so fucking <laughs> I've never excited. been skiing. Yeah, I've never been skiing. So maybe I might be a natural, but I doubt it. Oh, I'm sure you'd be a natural skier. <laughs> Quite good at ice skating, but I've never tried skiing, so... Yeah, the big controversy here is that our figure skater, Adam Rapon, had, like, an amazing fucking routine. Didn't fall once, but ended up getting third place. And then the the two people that got first and second both fell. It's people are, like, fucking pissed about that. But they just don't understand how ice skating is scored. That's what it boils down to. No, it's um, it doesn't have to necessarily be perfect just the bits that are good have to be really good well it's not even that oh god sorry this is not a a winter olympics podcast (laughs) but the most important thing with ice skating is difficulty of the routine so adam rapon skated kind of a like a easier routine so he Mm -hmm. didn't get as many he got more of the technical points than the other figure skaters did but his, the maximum amount of technical points he could score was, I think, was like 90. And he got 87 out of 90. Whereas the other right. the other two got 86, but their maximum was 120. So their right. routines were more difficult. And, you know, these lay people that don't understand ice skating are all fucking upset no. about it, you know. <laughs> well, I'm impressed that you know so much about it. Well done. Uh, the truth <laughs> is there's a <laughs> there's a my wife really likes this anime show called Yuri on Ice and it explains everything you fucking need to know about ice skating. So uh, okay. Thanks to that explains it. Yeah, thanks to Japan, I am now a expert on ice skating or figure skating, I should say. Oh, good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, what do you think? Uh, what do you think Mark's favorite uh, winter sport would be? speed skating yeah yeah <laughs> i saw that tweet that you put it made me laugh oh yeah it made me laugh too i was sitting at work and i was like jesus christ they've got speed skating on <laughs> um how did you feel about this episode going in what were your thoughts man i fucking love this episode i remembered liking this episode i loved everything about this episode going in watched it was not disappointed no me too i uh, remember this as being my favourite episode of this series and I was kind of hoping that we weren't going to come across some terrible thing like the rape thing last week that made it not funny but luckily still funny still holds up and um, I agree I really enjoyed this one. Oh man there was stuff that I completely forgotten about too that I'll talk about when we get to those scenes but yeah really enjoyed this episode thought it was really funny uh, kind of returned to form for Super Hands who's been kind of missing for last couple episodes so yeah it was yeah he's been in the background but he's in the forefront of this episode and he's very good at it yes it's great um well i am ready to get into this one if you are i am all right well we kick off at universal records with jeremy and Hans sitting in the lobby um um yeah they are in a big chrome building that we quickly find out is a record company and jez thinks this is their big break he thinks this is what it's all been leading up to Yep, and uh, 
but super hands he is not you know quite as on board you know with everything he just he just says you know a lot of these bastards they just want to give you an advance promote your stuff and then make a profit from you and uh <laughs> yeah i love that just because it's like oh yeah um jez is convinced that they've gone in because peggy's sister's friend works in the legal department so he thinks that's their their entry into the world of music well you know once you have an in with legal that's it game over my mum actually works for legal for a house building company i've clearly not been exploiting this as well as i could have been all these years i don't know i'm not sure what i'm going to exploit with it now but now i know that that's the in i'm gonna do it wait your mom <laughs> your mom works for a house building company yeah she does yeah I'm gonna be. I'm gonna have a new house, or be the CEO of of the company, or something. This time in a year, I've decided. Choose my year, and I'm gonna take it for what it's worth. How have we never talked about this before? Does <laughs> is this where Pedge got his houseboat from? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, let's see here. Uh, so we're introduced to Callie at this point. She kind of just strides down the stairs, and she introduces herself to. Um, hands and jazz. Callie is played by an actress named Nikki Wardley, and I'll be honest, I really like Callie. Yeah, she's young, she's hot, she's working with the Chemical Brothers, she's everything that you would want a dynamic record lady, record producer lady to be. What do you think the 2018 equivalent of Chemical Brothers would be? Oh, I don't know. Uh, Daft Punk? Yeah, I could. I. I yeah? Yeah. I'm on board with yeah. that. She'd be working in Daft Punk now. Yeah. Yeah. So Kelly says that she's been putting the finishing touches on the Chemical Brothers contract and the office has been totally mental. In a scene that really dates the show, Kelly says that she checked out their stuff on MySpace and freaked big time, literally freaked. And Jeremy has this really funny line where he says, see, I was so right to get us on the internet. I told you the internet would be massive one day. <laughs> yeah. And Hans says, we'll see, which is a great line. Um, but even in 2008, wasn't MySpace dying? Was anyone still using MySpace in 2008? Um, I am pretty sure that it was like 2009 when MySpace started to decline because I'm pretty sure right, I was okay. still using it in 2008. I was never on MySpace, so but I know that it had a steep decline oh my post God. Facebook. So yeah, so clearly, anyway, she's loved their stuff on MySpace, and. Um, and she also loves she, the band name yeah which we don't find out but hands announces that they've actually changed the name to Kirsty's metal hands um which is a great band name yeah <laughs> i think they should go with that no i agree too what's funny is for some reason hulu subtitles it as Kirsty's k-e-r-s-e-y-s Kirsty's metal hands <laughs> and so i was like going nuts like trying to to figure out you know why people always thought it was curse these metal hands when it clearly says curse these metal hands and then i just checked the script book and was like oh look hulu's fucking wrong again clearly it's whoever's doing the subtitling on hulu is is wrong yeah i know fucking asshole they should just use the script book i've sometimes had the subtitles up on netflix when i'm watching peep show and they quite often spell jeff wrong so this is you know they're clearly not great whoever's doing the subtitling oh do they spell it like g-e-o-f-f yeah 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 okay so true story i went through the peep show um <laughs> the peep show um wikipedia page 
and I changed all of the spellings of Jeff on there to G-E-O-F-F because I thought that that's how you fucking spelled it. <laughs> oh. um, she then goes on to say that Universal are not interested, but she says it in such a way that it sounds like a positive thing. And this is this becomes a recurring thing with Callie. She manages to break any bad news in a way that makes it sound good. <laughs> um, it's my favorite character trait. Yeah, it was great. And she says that Universal aren't interested, but she's looking to start her own label and she really wants to sign them. Um, both the guys then decide they're going to announce things. Uh, Han says that he's not allowed to travel to some countries within the European Union, which wouldn't be a problem yep. anymore. But he makes that point and asks her <laughs> if she's got a problem with it. And she says no. And then Jeremy says he's a very sexual performer. Can you handle that? And she just says, yeah, of course I can. Oh. So she's, you know... The way he's very on board with Yeah, the two. way he says it is so goddamn funny. He's just like, I'm a very sexual performer. <laughs> she speaks in this kind of bullshit corporate speak that's really it's really it could be irritating if it was played the wrong way, but she somehow manages to make it really funny. Callie takes charge here and says she wants a yes or no answer and she wants it right now and they don't have time to think about it. But no fucking around, because that's a bad sign. And as Callie walk away, Jeremy and Hans just discuss it and just say, you know what, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah, Hans says he doesn't really trust her, and Jez agrees, but they say, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. So they decide to get on board with Callie. Yep. And, you know, we see what Jeremy has been doing with Callie, or what Jeremy and Callie have been doing. They have gone out and have gotten drunk and they've made it back to Apollo House. Yes, uh, they've been celebrating. They both walk into Jeremy's bedroom and Callie says that they really know how to, to celebrate as a band and she takes her jacket off. Yep, uh, Jeremy notes that they are both horny like a pair of porn stars who aren't on antidepressants or anything. <laughs> and Callie's really impressed here with the setup that Jeremy's got with all his instruments and he plays a little little tune on his keyboard that like a little da, 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 which is clearly <laughs> meant to be sexy and she she laps it right up she loves it yeah and uh she asks if he's a, a magician and um you know it was just funny because this came out right like around the same time that magicians did so you know i was uh, yeah, of course. kind of wondering if this like subtle nod to magicians <laughs> yeah and he says that she says this is where the magic happens and he says, I am a bit magic. And they start kissing and they're laying on the bed. And we can obviously hear Jeremy's uh, thoughts. And he is worried that he's not going to be able to do everything that she was whispering in his ear in the cab. <laughs> yeah, without um, stirrups or a foothold. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I really enjoy this scene. So I just want to go ahead and play it because it's really, really goddamn funny. I wonder if I'll be able to do all the stuff she was whispering in my ear. Might need a good foothold somewhere or a harness. Is this a good idea? Drunk sex with my new manager? Yeah, yeah, it's probably a good idea. There'd be a problem if there were complications. There aren't going to be complications. Relax. <laughs> wow, this is definitely happening. Okay, got to focus. It's very important for my future career development that I give my manager an orgasm. Stop dicking around, Jeremy. Let's get going. Okay, well, I'd like a bit more foreplay, but apparently I have to perform on demand. Don't be bitter. This has got to be great. Brilliant sex, then novelty bong, then watch a film together. If Mark's got around to buying a new scart lead, that is. Maybe if we got another scart lead, I could use it to plug the digibox into the VHS player. Record straight onto that? 
Or I could use the analog aerial into the video and off that, well, maybe switch around the... Jeremy. Yeah. Do you think this is going well? E uh, yes. No, <laughs> it's not really working. Oh, I, I thought it was. What's working about it? Well, um, now we're talking about it, it is maybe withering under the lights a little Look, bit. Let's not kid ourselves. There's nothing going on here. <laughs> we're just two planks of wood rubbing against each other. Do you think? If you want, I could put a finger... Let's just forget this ever happened and get some shut-eye, yeah? Oh. Okay. Ah, oh, this is like the time I made Mark turn that boring DVD off in the middle. The Killing Fields. This is probably how he felt. Frustrated. And horny. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> this is such a great uh, scene. I really enjoy as well how she never takes... He's like completely naked, we assume, but she never takes her clothes off. She's still in her like work jacket and her shirt on is underneath and she just sort of never even bothers to take this stuff off. I just like how Jeremy has is thinking about everything but like the sex where he starts thinking about like the inputs on the TV and all that stuff. It's just it's so fucking <laughs> yeah. funny. And then when he says about it's withering under the lights, now we're talking about it, maybe it is withering under the lights. That's a great line. Yeah. Oh my god. I just this scene in general I just think is so goddamn funny. Yeah, it's very well played. Yeah. Um so on to the next morning, we have Mark and he's making tea. And I had a couple questions for you because I am not a tea connoisseur. Is this like this dish for discarded tea bags? Is that like a real thing that you guys have? Yeah, I mean, not here because we don't really drink tea in our house. But my mum and dad love tea and they have a little dish that they put their discarded tea bags on so they don't have to keep going to the bin. Also, does he lose style points for using an elect electric kettle instead of an actual like one you put on the, the uh, stove? Oh, no, everyone uses electric kettle. Yeah. Okay. Um, Mark is, you know, Mark is feeling pretty upset, though. You know, he can't believe all the changes that life brings them. He's getting divorced, and Jeremy's getting a manager. He's worried Jeremy is going to be happy and successful, while he, who has done everything life demands, will die in a ditch. Yeah, this is exactly the sort of thoughts I have as well when I'm doing mundane tasks, so I completely identify with Mark here. Oh, God, I know. I, I I think about my sister a lot, you know, where I'm like, oh, boy, my sister is so, you know, successful and everything. Like, Jesus Christ, like, <laughs> I'm going to die in a ditch. Yeah, exactly. I often think these things. Um, Callie walks into the kitchen and she introduces herself to Mark and she asks him if he's got any orange juice. He is worried that he's wearing the boxer shorts that have got no button on. Um, and is worried that she can see inside his, his boxer shorts. Um, I think you made a note about the t-shirt that he's wearing. I didn't notice it. What does it say? Oh my god, it's fucking incredible. It says, Dartmouth University Backgammon Club 1996. <laughs> That's great. That's a nice little uh, touch there for the, the observant amongst us. Oh my god, um, I saw the shirt and I was like, <laughs> wow, I really want this shirt now. I want that t-shirt, yeah. Um... He says that he's got orange juice um, and that Jeremy prefers smooth, but he prefers original. Um, and then they start talking about peanut butter and crunchy peanut butter or smooth peanut butter. Where do you stand on this? Okay, I'm glad that you asked. Uh, Kelly would love me. I prefer pulp in my orange juice and fucking peanuts in my peanut butter. Yeah, I'm with you and Kelly as well and Mark. I'm not, I don't like smooth things. So let me just ask this question. What does Phil prefer? 
Yeah, he prefers the same as me, so it's fine. See, Nicole is a smooth smooth. Ah, really? See, now we've got children in the house. Um, The youngest one can't really, you know, state a preference at the moment. But the elder one, she likes smooth. So I think that we're going to probably end up (laughs) getting smooth stuff because she's like our evil overlord here. (laughs) Oh, but she's so cute. She's she's so cute, but she's an evil overlord, even though she's three. I remember one of my friends one time I was I was hanging out with her and she just looked at me and she's like, Jesus Christ, my daughter is such a bitch. And I was like, <laughs> she goes, she looks at me and she goes, Sean, you don't understand because you're not a parent. You're not supposed to say these things about your kids. But my daughter is a fucking bitch. I was like, me and, me and Phil quite often say to each other that. Oh, they would be an arseholes, weren't they? But you can't, you know, you can't say that to other people. You especially can't say it to their grandparents who think they're little angels all the time. <laughs> you can say it on a podcast, though. I can say it on a podcast, that's fine. My children are absolute arseholes. Oh, only a couple hundred <laughs> people will hear you say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so Mark is, like, growing increasingly concerned about his dick accidentally flopping out of his boxer shorts. Um, he wants to sit down and then he starts thinking like well you know will a little uh little view of ball sack be sexy (laughs) (laughs) yeah it definitely won't mark i'm just putting that out there from the from the lady's perspective well now that they're not weird anymore it might be okay (laughs) still wouldn't be sexy even the most normal ones would not be sexy that is true um callie says that uh her and her boyfriend just broke up because he got back together with an ex mark just is like but aren't you and Jeremy? And then Jeremy walks in in like a a, a robe, and he just looks like fucking pissed off. And um, <laughs> Callie starts talking shit about Jeremy, like literally to his face. It's so fucking funny. She's like, "Oh, you know, things between me and him are just strictly business. Jeremy is great and all, but he's not really my type. He's the kind of guy that talks a talk, but when it comes time to deliver the goods, he just can't." <laughs> oh, it's so mean. It's so horrible. <laughs> Oh, poor Jeremy. Poor Jeremy. Um, Callie announces that she's time rich, uh, sorry, cash rich, but time poor. So someone needs to create like a singles dating thing that would work for her. She's a gap in the market. Somebody please fill her. And Mark loves this and realizes in this very moment that Callie is the one. Oh, another, yet another one. Another one. And he says uh, he is internal monologue is let's get married by alan sugar and live off all butter croissants in canary wolf i'm glad you said it because i don't sound as uh i i don't sound as posh when i say croissants as you do (laughs) we're that little bit closer to france we know how to say it yeah yeah um and then callie just tells jeremy that she's sending a cd but it looks like and I just wrote Kirsty's Metal Hands because I don't know what the band is called. She just says, and it looks like you guys will be playing at the new Axe Tent at Festivus. Yeah, Jeremy is thrilled by this. He is so happy and he says, oh, this is great. I'm going to be playing at the Wolverhampton Festivus. And the fact that he adds Wolverhampton just makes it all the funnier because in case you don't know, Wolverhampton is a pretty shit town just outside of Birmingham. Oh, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> it's nowhere to get excited about. Is Festivus a real thing? I don't think so. Not that I've heard of. Okay. You wouldn't have a festival in Wolverhampton. No one would go. <laughs> <laughs> so 
sorry anyone from Wolverhampton that may be listening, but it's not really a hotspot on the UK, you know, music scene. Yeah. Um, and then Jeremy just says, and you and all this depressing shit will just become a tiny footnote in the massive biog of how rich and fucked up I eventually became. I love that. I want that written on my gravestone. I think that is maybe Jeremy's best line in the whole series. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy it. There's a couple like really great lines in this uh, in this episode that I wouldn't mind being there written are. on my tombstone. <laughs> in the next scene, um, we are outside somewhere, maybe outside Apollo House. There seems to be some sort of garage involved, and Jeremy and Hans are putting the equipment in the van. And they're very, very excited. Oh, yeah. They are... Jeremy is super pumped to be actually going on tour. And he says they're finally going on tour. But I thought that they went on tour during University Challenge with Executioner's Bong. That's true. But Jez wasn't in the in the van, was he? So maybe this is the first time Jez has been on tour, you know, as part of the proper... Oh, entourage. yeah, yeah. He was on the train with Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Um, Han says that he's scared about going on tour and that he kind of wishes he had been hit by a bus for his body's sake and then he kind of adds with like a wry smile because he doesn't want to have to put my body through what it's gonna go through because it's gonna be pure fucking hell (laughs) (laughs) um jez asked what kind of stash he's brought with him but han says that he doesn't need to take any because they are vi mother humping pigs which is another great line and one that we use in our house quite often (laughs) Um, he says that someone, if you're at a festival and you're the band, you just open up your mouth and someone's going to put something nice in there, uh, a pill, a nipple, a bit of fried halloumi. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, for some reason, I also expected him to add cock on there, but. <laughs> well, knowing some of the things that Jez and Hans have got up to wouldn't surprise me. It would. It would make sense, anyways. I never mind. Um. <laughs> Uh, so then Jeremy also notices a copy of the Barchester Chronicles and he's like, oh, you know, bit of light reading for the downtime and, um, Hans is just like, oh no, it's, um, it's a video I think he's got, or like a DVD. I thought it was a book. Cause it is a, it, it was a adaptation of a book, Well, I but it was a, it was an adaptation of two books by Anthony Trollope and it was like a BBC adaptation i think that's the video of it but i might be wrong it might be a book but he says ecclesiastical literature when you're high yeah but it was it was based on a book so and no he doesn't he says ecclesiastical politics when you're high doesn't he oh fuck yeah i'm looking at the boy why are we picking this why are we picking this hill to die on (laughs) yeah i don't know oh no it definitely is no it is the video no no from the script book, from the motherfucking script book, <laughs> Jeremy, noticing some books in the back of the van. Cool. What's those? Something a bit red hot for downtime? Super hands. Don't hit pigeonhole me, dude. Barchester Chronicles. Ecclesiastical politics when you're high. These guys really know how to do a fucking number on each other. But aren't they later on, spoilers, aren't they watching something? when jez finds them and then and he says we're just kicking back with a bit of barchester <laughs> uh, yeah uh, to read out loud <laughs> they're not reading it out loud it's a video the sc- <laughs> <laughs> okay so here's what we're gonna do 
we're gonna we're gonna put this up on a Twitter poll. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna throw this open. Yeah, we're gonna put this on a Twitter poll, and we're gonna say book or movie, and we're gonna see where you, the lovely listeners of the L Dude Brothers podcast, fall into this because we have now spent like three minutes talking about book or DVD. <laughs> I'm sure I'm right. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so then Mark just kind of shows up and, you know, he's got this dapper looking leather jacket on. He's got these brown gloves and all sorts of stuff. And He looks like if your dad bought a leather jacket. It's, it's exactly <laughs> what it would be. It's got lapels. It's a proper coat, but it's made of leather. Um, and he's all chirpy and asks if there's room for one more in the van. Yep, and uh, Jeremy's just like, no, no, you, you can't you can't go with us. And we're going to get fucked up, monged out, messed up, and dipped over. <laughs> Mark. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> and Mark then plays his ace card and says, look, you know, things are not going great for me. I'm getting divorced. Like, give me, throw me a bone here, basically. Yeah. Um, Superhands tells him that his suitcase has wheels and real men don't need the earth to carry their luggage. <laughs> yeah. But I'll tell you what, um, suitcases with wheels are the greatest goddamn thing ever invented, so Superhands can just fuck right off. Yeah, but all suitcases have wheels now. Come on, get into the 21st century. Yeah. Um, Jeremy then says that he's just wanting to come and have a pop at Calais, isn't he? And Mark says, you know, no, I've always been a big defender of your music. And, and you know, I do, obviously, I want to come and see the band, but he's, you know, just a spot on. He is coming to have a proper cali. Yep. Uh, Super Hands then says, you know, like, hey, we could really use a roadie, someone to pick up groupies for us. And Mark is just like, yeah, drugs, birds, and physical labor. Them's my specialties. <laughs> They're so not his specialties. Oh, God. Um, so next we are outside of, I assume, Callie's apartment or condo, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, um, she is, Mark's sort of observing her from a distance, and he is admiring her because she's so switched on, she's got a spare battery for a Blackberry, <laughs> and just is admiring her sort of business brain. I know, two cell phones and a spare battery for her backpack, no... I'm out of juice bullshit for me. <laughs> no. Um, Callie's on the phone. She comes off the phone, walks over and says she's got good news. Festivus got the CD and they loved it, but now they don't want them to play at the Festivus anymore. But thankfully, she's pulled some strings and she's got them in at Life 08, which is one of the fastest growing Christian rock festivals out there. Yeah, Hans is on board with this idea, but Jeremy isn't really like so sure. He says, you know, oh, we're cool. We have credibility. And Jeremy is worried if they play a Jesus gig, they'll be selling their souls. And then Superhands is like, eh, but at least we'll be selling our souls to Jesus. He's kind of the best person to do it for. <laughs> yeah, he's got a point. That is true. Um, then Hans makes the point that executioners bonged in a bit of Christo. And he says that they are now, what's the line? He, they, li they, are... they live in Fort Lauderdale in a fuck-off bungalow, eating cherry pie and banging cheerleaders. Ah, that's right. Is Fort Lauderdale in America? Is that an American place? <laughs> I was going to ask you, what what state, what American state do you think Fort Lauderdale is in? Oh, Florida. Oh, you are fucking spot on. Ah, yeah, that was just a pure guess, but it sounded like the sort of place that would be in Florida. Yeah. Um, 
Good job. One thing that's also been happening in this scene is that Jeremy has been kind of mocking Mark with this little voice where he's like, I think this is the right thing to do. And um, so once Superhand says that he thinks they should do it, Mark just is like, yeah, you know, I really think you guys have made the right decision. And Jeremy kind of is like, I think you guys have made the right decision. And Mark looks at Jeremy and he says, we both agreed not to do the voice after that week and just kind of leaves it there. Do you wish they do you wish they had made this into an episode? I'd be very interested to know what happened in that week that meant that they no longer do the voices. I'm imagining this was when they were at university, maybe when they were first acquainted with each other. Oh, man. See, this is one thing I love about Peep Show is that you get this, um, you know, tell don't show. But fuck, I just want to see what happened during that week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, this is a line that we often use in our house often if the one's winding the other one up either me or Phil will say to each other I thought we agreed not to do that after that week (laughs) (laughs) Um, so next we actually see the the wonderful Life 08 yes uh, they're at the festival and they're in a tent and Superhands is um, chugging something uh, Jeremy. And, oh no, sorry, Jeremy's chugging something and Superhands and some assembled Christians are shouting drink, drink, drink to Jeremy who is then revealed to be drinking a two litre bottle of off-brand supermarket cola uh, okay. and he is trying to get high off this clearly. So one thing I wanted to ask you is in America we have a lot of different uh, the word, the kind of generic word for soda is regional kind of on the east and the west coast it's soda in the north it's pop and in the south it's coke do you guys have kind of that similar regional word or is just cola kind of just well up north they'd call it pop um and i know northerners who would call it pop down here haven't really got a a catch-all we'd just call it a soft drink or a fizzy drink oh okay yeah, what would you call it? Where are you in the spectrum? Um, so <laughs> I call it I call it Coke, no matter if it's Dr Pepper or Seven Up or Mountain Dew or what. I just I'm like, hey, I'm gonna go get a Coke. So right. I okay. use the southern uh I use the southern dialect for it. Um, but uh, yeah, my family up north all calls it pop. And they think it's so weird that I call it Coke. I mean, I would call any brand of cola Coke, to be fair. Like, I'm, any Coke kind of drink, I would call Coke. I mean, I remember asking my northern... Yeah, you know, I remember telling my northern cousin one time, you know, they're like, oh, do you, want a, do you want a soda? Or do you want a pop? And I was like, yeah, I'd love a Coke. And they literally brought me back a can of Coke. And I was like, no, no, I wanted Dr. Pepper. And they're like, well, why the fuck did you tell me to get a Coke then? That's confusing. (laughs) I know. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's shit. Um, Anyways, uh, so Jeremy and Hans agree that it's not a big deal that this fest is drinking drug free. They can still get monged. They just have to use their imagination. And then at this point, like Super Hans kind of like bends over and puts his head between his legs and takes like a really, really deep breath. And then he just pops up and he's like, ah head rush and jeremy just looks at him and he's like safe 
a girl then walked over to Jeremy, gives her CD to him and asks her, him to pass it along to the record label. Um, and as if reading his mind, Mark comes over and says, she's not a groupie. And Jeremy's like, well, she spoke to the group, so she is a groupie. And um, he then calls out to her to wait because they're going to try and make a spliff out of nutmeg and banana peels. Plus whatever is underneath Hans's fingernails, which uh, probably is quite a lot of decent gear, to be fair. Oh, I can't even imagine how, like, foul and disgusting <laughs> a spliff made of fucking bananas, nutmeg, and shit under Super Hans's fingers would... I think I read about with somewhere once someone had tried it and it just made him vomit. So I don't think it has any, you know, get any higher properties. It'll just make you sick. There's a movie called uh, Idle Hands that came out in the, came out in like the late '90s, and one of the uh, things that happens in it is they smoke nutmeg, and the main character ends up his right hand ends up getting possessed by the devil, and he kills the two of them. <laughs> and they're like, it "Sounds good." <laughs> oh, dude, Idle Hands is one of these like really, really like underappreciated uh, late '90s like teen horror comedies. <laughs> it's great, um, but they're like. They're calling 911 and they're like, our friend smoked nutmeg and now he's trying to kill us. So I always think of that. I'll have to look that up. It sounds ridiculous, but sort of enjoyably ridiculous. As Jeremy and Superhands leave the tent, um, Callie and Mark have a conversation and Mark is just like, you know, oh, I think it's great that they're, you know, uh, doing this festival. The download market for Christian Rock is estimated at 40 million plus. Yeah, he's made a little report, hasn't he, with a ring binding and a plastic cover and he's basically just trying to impress Callie with his business acumen yep and they have a really great discussion and I'm going to go ahead and just insert it in here this is interesting tell me what you thought of the rehearsal today honestly well actually one thing did occur not, not wanting to be horrible to Jeremy but Superhands did seem more like the kind of person you'd expect to see in a, in a band like this he's fuckable I'm sorry it's an industry term. It means someone might want to fuck him. Interesting. Forefront superhand, sideline Jeremy. Oh, no, I, I didn't mean... I, I just meant... I thought you were a business brain, Mark, but you're better than that. You're what my grandma would call a real piece of shit. Yeah? It's a great plan. Hans is the star. Jeremy's the second stringer. Let's fuck him. That's our dick. That's Jeremy's asshole. We're fucking him. Look, Kelly, no, we, we don't have a shared dick. Not yet, anyway. How do you mean? Do you want to date? Are you a dater? Well, I, I, I have been out with women, so I guess. A friend of mine's doing a little talk over at a hippie shop in Ludlow. Said I might pop in. Wanna come? Okay, sure. Wow, I've got a date. I'm a real piece of shit. I bet those two things go hand in hand. Bet if I got into defrauding pensioners, the pussy would really start rolling in. I mean, everybody's heard that little part on the intro. Which you suggested that line, and honestly, it's not the line that I I had forgotten all about this line. But when you suggested it, I and I watched this episode, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's perfect for the intro. It's a great line, and it's so it so ties in brilliantly with their whole like bullshit corporate speak mm -hmm. persona. That's exactly what she would say. Yeah, uh, Mark. Uh, we also then find out that Callie's friend is doing a talk over at a hippie shop in Ludlow. And she promised that she would pop in. And Mark is just like, I've got a date and I'm a piece of shit. These two <laughs> things must go hand in hand. If I, you know, start defrauding pensioners, uh, I bet the pussy would just roll in. 
<laughs> yeah, which it probably would. Everyone loves a bad boy. That's uh, that's been established. Yeah, uh, are you familiar with where Ludlow is? No, I'm not familiar with where Ludlow is. Let's have uh, a look. I think it's... I've got a vague idea. Or do you know where it is? No, no. I just was asking because I was trying to figure out if we could maybe figure out what city this festival is in. It's in Shropshire. So that is kind of like to go in towards Wales. It's the county that borders Wales. So I don't know, maybe the festival, it could be feasibly, it could be in Cardiff or it could be in somewhere else on the coast in wales or it could be further on into england it could be over in like um hay on why where they have the literary festival that's quite a good area for festivals oh okay all right mm -hmm. yeah just was you know wondering curious yeah. yeah yeah uh let's see here so next we are at the hippie shop yes um callie's embarrassed because she's brought mark to this presentation on um Past, past life. life regression <laughs> um and callie makes the good point that people always say they were like napoleon but marx is where were all the chinese peasants uh how do you what are your thoughts on life past life regression do you think there's anything in it <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna take uh, that as a no actually so i uh one of my coworkers who doesn't listen to this podcast and so I feel okay talking about this came to me with a spiritual crisis the other day and I'm about the worst person you could probably come to with a <laughs> spiritual crisis because she's just like she's just like oh my god I just refuse to think that you know when you die that's it like there's got to be something else and I was just like yeah there's something else like your body's going to decompose and you know you know, they, you're gonna you're gonna live on, and uh, or your body is gonna just decompose and get turned into the earth, and then plants and shit are gonna use it for nutrients, and you're gonna grow a giant tree out of your body. And she's just yeah. like, she's just like, you don't you don't believe there's an afterlife? And I was like, sure, sure. <laughs> See, I've got quite a similar situation with again with a friend who I know does not listen to this podcast. Um. And she, she works in a Catholic school and she is about to have her children christened Catholic. But to do that, she's got to be christened first. So she's being christened and she was asking me if I would come to the christening, which I was like, of course. I was sitting in the audience and watch you be christened. But I knew we were getting into like dodgy territory when it became like, maybe there is something in the whole Jesus thing. And I was like, I don't want to say no because I don't want to <laughs> shit on your beliefs. But I don't want to say yes either because I really don't think there is. So I was just sort of nodding my head and agreeing and it was all a bit awkward so i yeah no i don't either i don't really think that there is any past life regression to be had um and neither do mark and callie so that mark thinks they're on the same page about this doesn't he yeah he's getting all excited he's just like come on guys we're all the chinese peasants you know we're the german toilet cleaners and uh you know then callie sees a crystal skull and then that's where shit starts to pop off yeah, she's in awe of this crystal skull. And she says that it was probably crafted in Atlantis and it is a powerful centre of healing. And Mark kind of at first is like, she, he thinks she's joking. He's sort of going along with the joke and he's like, oh, yeah. Um, and then he says, you know, mm -hmm, and he's sort of agreeing. But then she says, come on, you must believe in this. Like, the past life regression stuff is bullshit. But this, like, of course this is real. Yeah, yeah, uh, this is real. This other stuff is bullshit. 
But yeah, this... how could you possibly make something like this? She says, and Mark's like, in a factory. <laughs> yeah, from glass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she says, could you make something like this? And Mark says, no. And she says, could anybody? He's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is like probably my favorite trait about Callie, where it's just like, this is all bullshit, but this is fucking real. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. Um, and she tells Mark that it, this is important to her, and if they're going to go anywhere, Mark has to say that he believes in crystal skulls. And Mark is just so fucking pathetic that he's just like, I believe in crystal skulls. <laughs> and I she says, in skulls. yeah, and she says, and what do you believe? And he's like, that they are powerful that they are crafted by the ancient inhabitants of atlantis and are powerful centers of healing and then callie gives him a kiss and just says see that wasn't so hard oh <laughs> uh, mark what won't you do for the one? Oh my god i know i wonder what uh, callie thought of indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull <laughs> one of her faves i'd imagine yeah the shittiest Indiana Jones movie is probably her favorite. <laughs> um, so next we are back at a caravan. And so I, I, so I wrote caravan for you just because I was like, uh, it's an RV. But then I was like, but Laura might not know what an RV is. So I'm just going to mm. go with caravan. I would call it probably in this context, a Winnebago. I think that's what the fancier ones are. What's an RV stand for? Recreational vehicle. Oh, okay. Yeah. Caravan. So, much like our pop soda Coke conversation, a Winnebago (laughs) is a specific brand of recreational vehicle. Ah, okay. All right. Didn't know that. I just knew they were fancier than caravans. Yeah. Every Winnebago is a recreational vehicle. Not every recreational Mm. vehicle is a Winnebago. Winnebago. Okay. Mm. They're in some sort of movable home thing anyway. Yeah. Uh, Callie and Mark have just finished having sex and Mark thinks this is sex was great and he was like outside of the crystal skull sending out its invisible rays of bullshit (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's very enthusiastic about um, about this whole sexual experience and they're sort of gazing at each other as you do and um, he then you know she says oh you know was that good for you and she seems frustrated and she wants to talk about the whole thing yeah and uh and mark's like uh okay and then she just starts to like just straight critique him on his sex techniques it's so yeah she does a full-on critique of it um and she's brutal she doesn't even try and sugarcoat it yeah i was like I, i like when she's like uh she tells him that he was better than Jeremy because she had to stop Jeremy in the middle. Uh, she compares <laughs> Jeremy to a red setter bounding after a tennis ball, whereas Mark is a captain solemnly going down with the ship. And Mark's just like, oh, okay. I tell you, I've got a sex story here that my husband would absolutely kill me if he knew I was saying this, but he doesn't listen. So uh, when we hadn't been together very long, and thank God he watched Peep Show as well, because we, you know, we'd, we'd done the bad thing. And we were talking afterwards and it was like, you know, was that good for you? And I said, well, you were a bit like a captain solemnly going down with his ship, weren't you? And thank God he laughed because if he hadn't, I think that might have been the end of our relationship right there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Luckily, he got it. So it was fine. Yeah. Uh, 
Mark, you know, kind of brings up a good point where um, Callie, t- Callie tells him that she's willing to give him another try as long as he does exactly what, you know, she tells him to do. And Mark agrees that this could be a good system. And Callie is just like, okay, I want you to, you know, put your hand here. Okay, can you do that? And then Mark is just like, is this humiliating? It is a bit humiliating. But I guess the upside is what I was doing before was humiliating in a way I wasn't even aware of. And, you know, I, not that, you know, Peep Show is some deeper, uh, deeper, you know, that some of this stuff has a deeper meaning. But, you know, it's like uh, people need to talk. Like couples, they need to talk about this kind of stuff. And it could be hard and it could be embarrassing. But, like, you don't want to just keep having unsatisfactory relations with your partner. You know, that's true. Fucking that tell true. them. Fucking and, tell them. And I guess, you know, at least Mark and Callie are getting it out of the way. Okay, spoiler alert, but they never do it again. But, you know, this could have potentially have been the beginning of a, a long relationship and they've had the conversation straight off the bat. But what I really love here is that um, Mark tries to get on top of her and Callie's just like, no, fuck this, I'll drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great, great line. Yeah. And Mark says that he is a sex robot servicing the one. And he always wondered what his fetish was, but it seems what really turns him on is basically being absent for the entire sex act. That's a very Mark, uh, very Mark way to look at it. Very Mark way of looking at it. Next scene is after uh, what I'm assuming is their second encounter because they're walking around Life 08 and it appears that they're holding hands. Like I couldn't really tell, but it looks like they were holding hands. Yeah, they're like sort of close, like coupley close. Um, and Callie tells Mark that she talk to hands and they're both really into the uh mark's idea of shining the light on hands which they talked about earlier on um and throw jez you know out of the band and you know get rid of him basically and mark says that is not what he meant at all yeah he just wanted to shine a little bit of light on hands and then throw jez a tambourine (laughs) Uh, and then callie kind of busts out with this analogy here and she says um Look, imagine you have a chocolate bar and it was made of delicious milk chocolate, which I'm not a milk chocolate fan. I prefer dark chocolate, but fuck it, whatever. We'll go with it. Um, yeah. And she says, and the other half was made of human shit. Wouldn't you just break off the half made of shit? And Mark <laughs> is just like, yeah, I don't really like this analogy. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that analogy really works. Um, as they're sort of walking around talking about this, Mark looks around and sees Jeremy getting baptized <laughs> in a paddling pool. Oh my and god. he thinks oh god i can't take him any i can't take him anywhere and um as this is happening Callie gets a text on her phone and she starts freaking out because the chemical brothers have read the appendix on the contract and she needs to go back to the office and deal with that yep um and then she asks mark to talk to jeremy and tell him he's fired and mark is like what no no uh and mark and Callie is like well you're you're probably a better better equipped to do this because you'll say less horrible things about him than i will <laughs> you'll tell more lies about him not better lies about him not being terrible i think is the line yeah yeah great. yeah yeah um she then says that she's not going to make the gig potentially but she'll pick him up at five o'clock um and she speeds off yep jeremy comes over sec- soaking wet and he's just as laura said been baptized and mark is just like staring at him like he's a, f- a fucking crazy man <laughs> Yeah, and Jeremy says that they wanted him to do it before he did the gig, and he thought, well, fuck it, like, I want to play this gig, and also, there's probably, like, a 1% chance that the whole Jesus thing is real, so if it is, he'll have something to get out of the bag on Judgment Day. Yep, and uh, 
as Jeremy and, and Mark start to walk off, Mark starts to feel like Tony Soprano about to kill the FBI stripper. Yeah, I thought um, another great another great analogy there would have been uh, George leading Lenny off to shoot him in the head. I thought that would have worked equally well as <laughs> <laughs> as uh, Jeremy is a bit of an idiot. Yeah, tell me about the gig, Mark. <laughs> Can you see the gig, Jeremy? Yeah, Mark, I sure can. You're going to get to pet the ladies. <laughs> I, I, I have to be honest with you. I'm a little surprised that that book is uh, something that you guys have read over there. That's like, it used to be the major curriculum book at GCSE over here. Really? For generations. But it got taken off the curriculum two years ago because our then education secretary, in his infinite wisdom, said everything had to be British that was on the curriculum, so it went, but we still got lots of copies of it in school, so we still teach it. But yeah, this was this is the book that everyone read at GCSE. Uh, is Grapes of Wrath a book that was is read over there? No, no. I don't know why. Might have It's such a big book on the British English literature curriculum. It's, it's odd, but hey... I didn't make the curriculum. I just have taught of mice and men seven hundred times and know that book like the back of my hand. That's real. That's honestly one of my favorite movies. Like Gary Sinise just kills it as Lenny. I watched um, I watched it the other day with my year eights who, so they're like thirteen, fourteen, and normally, by the time you get to do it, the kids know what happened, but somehow this class, bless them, but really innocent, they didn't know what happened, and we were reading the book, but I said, oh, we can watch the film we've got to write this essay on the whole thing so we'll, we'll we'll watch the whole film and then we'll read bits of the book because they're quite low ability and they didn't know he was going to get shot and there was genuine upset in the class and i just felt horrible because i just assumed <laughs> they all knew and it was like this girl bless her she's so nice and she was she had her hands in front of her face and she was going miss miss is he gonna shoot him and it was like oh yeah, yeah sorry <laughs> thought everyone knew Oh my god, Laura, you're a killer of dreams and hopes. <laughs> I know, I know. I felt terrible. Yeah. Um, Christ, this we've got a lot of meandering in this episode. I <laughs> yeah, apologize yeah. <laughs> for people that are listening to it. Um, Jeremy is like really excited and he's really looking forward to this gig. And, you know, he says, you know, if Superhands feels good about doing this gig, then I feel good about it. Everything is coming together. And Mark is just like, oh, fuck. I don't want to have to deliver this news to him. Yeah, um, Mark sits down and he says, look, Jez, I've got some news and I'm afraid that it's not great. Um, Callie and Superhands have been talking and I'm afraid that you're out of the band. And Jeremy is, like, shocked. And whilst he's still got him there, Mark decides to casually slip in that him and Callie are going out. <laughs> and he says, um, <laughs> Callie and I are going out. And she told me she had this idea. And I said, no, don't do it. That's literally what I said. And Jeremy, he's so angry about the being kicked out of the band thing that he sort of, he just kind of like accepts that they're going out now. Yeah, he just says, what? You and Callie? And uh, he just says, you're screwing Callie and I'm out of the band and Mark is just like, mm, got away with that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Jeremy says, look, you're going to have to break up with Callie. Mark says he doesn't want to. Jeremy tells him that, look, this is a no-brainer. And Mark says, actually, it is a brainer. I'm going to have to think about this. And then Mark decides he's going to confess that he doesn't think he's been doing sex right before. And now she's given him tips <laughs> on how to do it. 
by the way, that line, it is a brain, or it's not a no-brainer. I very, it's very much a brainer is one of my favorite, uh, is another line that I actually use quite a bit. <laughs> um, Jeremy's upset at the idea, I think, of the sex lessons. He's, you know, a bit disgusted <laughs> about it and says he just needs to stick to missionary. Uh, I, I love when he's, uh, when he says um that's cheating anyone can please a woman if she tells you exactly what to do you're not allowed to ask that's the point <laughs> and then jerry says that he's a marks a sexual civilian stick to missionary leave the disgusting stuff to me uh, that is i mean it's just funny because again like there's so much in this show that just shows the differences between mark and jeremy but that's like this conversation right here is probably like the biggest difference between the two whereas like Jeremy is just in it for him, and he thinks that the way he does things works for everybody. Whereas Mark is like, hmm, you know, I'm willing to, I'm willing to learn. Yeah, I think that Jeremy, for Jeremy, there's no question in his mind, probably about everything, but particularly around women and sex, that he just thinks he's doing it. Of course, he's doing it right. Like he's the best at all those things, mm -hmm. and he wouldn't. It wouldn't even occur to him to think that he wasn't. Yep. Exactly. Um, I went through a very similar phase when I when I was in my 20s where I was just like, I'm the best at everything. And then I got kind of a cold dose of reality one day. So <laughs> You learned your lesson. I, I when did. will Jeremy learn his? Never, never. If he mm -hmm. hasn't learned it by now, he's never going to fucking learn it. And so at this point, Jeremy just kind of looks at Mark and says, you know, let's... Uh... Oh, sorry, I jumped ahead of myself here. Uh, and then... After Jeremy says all the stuff about pleasing a woman, Mark says that he's worried that if he breaks up with her, he'll never have good sex again unless he's going to Hawaii and the plane crashes and all of his fellow survivors are sex therapists on their way to a conference. And even then, there would probably be male sex therapists too, and they'd all be fucking each other and giving each other tips while I sit on a rock winking and crying. And Jeremy just, <laughs> like, as Mark is going on, Jeremy just starts to look more and more confused about, like, where the fuck this is going. <laughs> And yeah. then he's just like, he's like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah, sure, man, whatever. Let's talk to Superhands <laughs> and see if we can get him on our side. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as they begin to walk off, Jeremy sort of starts to probe him a little and ask Mark if Callie ever mentioned them having sex and Mark says, no, no, she didn't tell me anything about it. But in his internal monologue, he thinks, she stopped him in the middle. I'll save that one for a rainy day. <laughs> <laughs> very Mark. Very, very Mark. Very Mark. Um, next, they are at another caravan and they walk into another one, and there's Super Hands and a girl in there. Yeah, um, Super Hands has got a lot of drugs in front of him on the table, and we assume this girl is some sort of groupie. And when uh, he's asked by Jess where the drugs came from, Hands says that Kelly came through with, for, with a bit of herb that the Christos keep on the down low, uh, which they call Bishop Weed. I like that Hands just constantly refers to them as Christos. I enjoy that. I think that's a great way to refer to them. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh... Oh, fuck, I lost my spot. God. This uh, is, this Jeremy is... confronts. This is terrible. This is great. <laughs> this is great fucking podcasting. Um, it says Jeremy. Uh, it says. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Yeah. And then Jeremy just kind of confronts Hans about being out of the band. And Hans says it's a fucking disgrace. And for him, it was almost a resigning matter. And Jeremy's yeah, like, I almost walked. Yeah, I almost walked. But then I thought, hey, maybe I can work from the inside. No point in both of us getting kicked out of the band. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, he goes on to say that he's heard, all he's hearing is that Jeremy's out of the band and he's really gutted about it. But him and Tara are going to kick back with a bit of Barchester, so maybe you could fuck off now. Yep. And they have the Barchester book and they start to <laughs> lay back on the bed. As he's walking out, Jeremy asks if he can have a bit of the weed, the Bishop weed. But Hans says that no, because it's all his and he wants all of it. <laughs> I l- Hans is such a fucking dickhead here where he's just like, <laughs> uh, no, mate, it's mine, all of it, and I want all of it, so you can't have any of it, so fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> they then start to walk towards Callie's RV and um, Mark says that Jeremy could, you know, there's still a lot of places for him to go. He could do that rap thing he's always talking about with Howard Marks. And Jeremy tells Mark that, look, you've got to talk to Callie for me because this is, you know, he's brilliant and you've got to tell him that, tell her that I'm brilliant. Yeah, and, and then Mark, ever being the good friend, says, well, maybe you should tell me what it is that makes you brilliant so <laughs> that when I talk to Callie, I can recite it. Yeah, give her sound bites. Yeah, give her sound so, bites. Jeremy starts knocking on the door of the RV and realises that it's open. Mark's worried about Jeremy going into the chamber of satisfactory sex, um, but the door's open. Jeremy goes in and he follows him. So Mark says he thinks they should leave, but Jeremy's like, no, we're going to fuck it up in here. Yeah. Oh, my God. This part is so fucking funny. Uh, Jeremy just, he's like, no, we should just piss on something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, that's the wildest thing you can think of doing is pissing on something. Yeah. Um, So... Jeremy loses his cool at this point and starts smashing stuff up in the caravan. Uh, uh, Mark decides to have a freebie on the crystal skull, which he smashes with a brick, and he cuts himself and shouts, oh, fuck. I love that. He just takes a brick, Where which, why is there a brick in the trailer? Yeah, that's I don't a know. good point. I hadn't even thought of that. Why is there a, a, a brick in there? I don't know, but he just takes this brick, and he just smashes the fuck out of the skull, and then he just... <laughs> He's like, oh, fuck, and, like, he's cut his hand. <laughs> Jeremy opens the cupboard, and he starts chucking stuff around, and he's it's really rubbish stuff that he decided to fuck up. He's like, yeah, take that teabag tin, and starts smashing her eggs, and he's like, yeah, by the hammer of the gods, and he's throwing the eggs on the floor, and he's probably loving it. Like, Jeremy was born to, to do this. He writes sausage muncher on the, one of the walls with a sharpie. <laughs> <laughs> really he's just causing absolute destruction i know and then mark is is kind of like hey uh you know maybe we should uh maybe we should step away here maybe maybe we should step away a little bit and then uh jeremy's like no no i'm gonna be waiting here when when callie gets back because uh i want to see her face yeah he's he's gonna wait apparently yep and uh mark is uh he looks at the crystal skull and he's like (laughs) He, he's like, yeah, I hope Callie's not too upset about the crystal skull, but if its legend powers are so legendary, it can just fix itself. <laughs> and and the whole time that Jeremy is, like, smashing the eggs, he is, like, he just has this, like, shit-eating grin on his face. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, he's really enjoying smashing those eggs. Yep. Um, so, next scene, Jeremy's just kind of sitting on the steps outside of uh, Callie's caravan, and he's just waiting for her to, to show up. Yeah, um, she storms up to the caravan and she says that she's been looking everywhere for, for him because Superhands is having an ego attack. 
He's driving to Festivus with the windows down and he's shouting his name. He wants to make a super group out of Hardfire and the Kaiser Chiefs, which I don't know if they were big fans over there. But at this point in time, in 2008, they were like two huge sort of indie bands that went mainstream. And this line always makes me laugh because it's exactly the sort of thing Superhands would say. <laughs> uh, the only Kaiser Chiefs, I mean, I'm sure... So I got a lot of flack, by the way, for saying that I didn't know shit about um, Joy Division. Uh, so I, I'm going to pick my words very carefully here. The only Kaiser Chief song that I could name is Ruby. I am sure. Yeah, that was their big one. I am sure that I have heard other Kaiser Chief songs, but the one that I know for sure is Ruby. Hard fight to be fair. I doubt they made it very big over there. They didn't make it huge over here, so yeah, I can't imagine that they were. Yeah, I saw them. Where did I see? I saw them somewhere. It was a really small venue, and that was at the height of their 2006 powers. So, yeah, they almost certainly didn't crack America. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Hard fi. They were an English rock band, which means that they are no longer an, English, no longer. Rock, an English rock band. Their big song was Living for the Weekend. Yeah, none of these, none of the names of these songs are ringing any sort of bell with me. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Jeremy's... I always hate doing music <laughs> discussion because I always end up feeling like Mark afterwards. Please be Snow Patrol. The Beatles? <laughs> yeah. Snow Patrol? <laughs> Jeremy's unsurprised at uh, Superhands doing this because he's talked about doing the supergroup before. So he's sort of like, yeah, he's talked about that. And Callie asked if he would like to play the gig solo. And Jeremy's definitely up for that. Um, so Callie wants to talk set list and she's going to go inside her caravan. But Jeremy sees, obviously, that this is not going to go well for him if she sees the <laughs> destruction in there. Yeah. And uh, she, Callie just opens the door and she's just like, what the fuck? So Jeremy decides to tell her because he always will throw Mark under the bus at the first sign of trouble. Oh, bear with me. Oh. <laughs> I'm still recording. What's up? Sorry about that. Oh, it's okay. I'll make sure and edit that out. <laughs> yeah. Um, what were we saying? Um, Jeremy's oh, always the, quick um, to throw Mark under the bus. Yes, uh, he'll always throw Mark under the bus at the first sign of trouble. So he decides to tell Callie that it was actually Mark that went mental and smashed up the caravan. Uh, and as she walks in, she's just really upset. And Jeremy says, this is classic Mark. He's passive aggressive. He won't say anything, but he just smashes stuff. Yeah, which is funny because that is not at all what passive aggressive means. <laughs> no. <laughs> you put in your notes that why doesn't he just blame Superhands being fucked up? And that's a really good point. He could have definitely got away with that. Yeah, I mean, I think that he should have just been like, Hey, Superhands was monged out of his mind. He was upset about me getting kicked out of the band. He came in here and he trashed your shit. I mean, like, yeah. it's not uh, hard to say, Jeremy. Come on, buddy. But I guess it. I guess Jeremy's whole character is that he always blames Mark for stuff, so it makes sense. Yeah, he would blame Mark. No, a hundred percent. Um. Uh. Callie seems like very upset about especially about the crystal skull and jeremy says that mark really hates crystal skulls he smashed it and he cut his hands in a mad fury and then she's just like I, why would he do such a thing and jeremy says oh you know mark really hates being told what to do in bed 
and he hates her for pushing her out of the band or he hates her for pushing me out of the band and i was like dude it's okay and he was just like no <laughs> he says that mark is weird and addictive he draws horrible cartoons of her he wraps them up in sausage meat and he calls her a sausage muncher which is just weird like what what mind would come up with that well it's the second what i like is that the, that's the second time that he's used that line yeah um and the second time that he has alluded to stuff being done with meat because he writes judas in the bed with meat doesn't he in the first series oh yeah and then in uh and then in funeral he tells sophie that mark draws mad cartoons of her and <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So this is clearly yeah. this is an ongoing theme in Jeremy's twisted imagination. Uh, I mean, this is like his fucking go-to uh, excuse for things. Yeah. Next scene, we actually get to see Jeremy's concert, and he's just like jamming out on two keyboards, and he's like, "Yeah, this is it." And there's one guy in the room dancing. <laughs> yeah. So this really reminded me of about this time, maybe a little bit earlier. Um, I went to a gig with my friend in Hyde Park. And it was a big act, it was, it was headlining, um, but we weren't, at, I can't remember why we weren't at work, it was like a bank holiday or something, there was some reason why, why we could go earlier in the day, so we were in London, and we'd been drinking, and we decided to go in for some of the earlier acts in the afternoon, and these were fairly big names as well, so, you know, they were on the main stage, they were getting a lot of love, but we had a little wander around, and there was this one band, and there was like, one person in there dancing and it was just like this and he was about 15 he had his mum with him his mum was sitting at the back and he was just rocking out him on his own in the tent and I just thought <laughs> how humiliating that must have been for the person playing the gig um and yeah that's exactly what's happening here with Jez yep and then we see Mark and Mark has his suitcase packed and he's got his little leather jacket on and um you know he's just waiting for Callie to pick him up at this point yeah um and she is she drives she's driving towards him and his internal monologue he's like oh there she is she's the one leaving with the one not a bad weekend got myself a girlfriend had the best sex of my life did my bit to delay the dawning of the age of aquarius with my trusty friend the house brick yep but callie just drives past him stares at him and just gives him the finger <laughs> yeah really brutally she scowls at him and gives him the finger it's not one of those, like, oh, maybe she was giving him the finger. It was like, no, all four of her other fingers are down in a fist, and it's just her middle finger that's up. Yeah, and he thinks, ah, uh, that's more like it. The one is gone. She's giving me the finger. The familiar gut punch of pain and confusion is back. Hello, old friend. Can I ask you, I, I wanted to ask you a question. So, I was always of the impression that you guys' equivalent of the finger was, like, your pointer finger and your middle finger, mm -hmm. like, holding two fingers up. Yes, the two finger, yeah. Okay, but you also do just the middle finger as well. It's the it's the creeping Americanization of everything, isn't it, Sean? We've got there's a McDonald's on every corner, there's a Starbucks on every street, and now we can't even have our own gestures. It's I I, I don't agree with it personally, but this is this is what we're doing now, apparently. Okay, so you're saying that we bastardized the two finger and turned it into the one? Yeah. Oh, and then so then you guys took the one finger and were like, no, we can't let America have anything nice. <laughs> so we're going to steal the one finger back. Why do you do the middle finger? Why is that a thing? I, I have no fucking idea. 
because I know why the two fingers are a thing and I wonder if the one finger evolved out of this so the two fingers I, th- I mean someone's now going to tweet us and say this is an urban legend can I can I tell I'm you sure. can I tell you what the American story is for the two finger oh yeah go on <laughs> so the story that I have always heard is that in some battle between the French and the English the French cut off the pointer finger and the middle finger of all of your archers so that they couldn't draw their bowstrings back and then yeah that's the, that's the story I know after too. the battle was over all the soldiers held up the two fingers and that's sort of where it came from yeah yeah that's so i wonder if the middle finger originated from that and it just evolved let's see why does the middle finger mean fuck you Okay, the finger. Oh, hey, look at this. There's a Wikipedia article about it. (laughs) In Western culture, the finger, the middle finger, as in someone giving the middle finger, or the bird, or flipping someone off is an obscene hand gesture. (laughs) I'm on it, and I enjoy the little illustration. Man giving the middle finger. The gesture communicates moderate to extreme contempt and is roughly equivalent in meaning to fuck off, fuck you, shove it up your ass, (laughs) Up yours, suck my dick, eat shit, kiss my ass, or go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't say they were moderately offensive. (laughs) Somebody wrote this, Laura. Somebody was like, (laughs) somebody fucking wrote this. (laughs) Uh, Oh, okay. Oh, God. I should have, of course, I should have known what it means. The gesture dates back to ancient Greece and was also used in ancient Rome. Historically, it represents the phallus. So, oh, okay, yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, the shaft and the balls. I'm, yeah, okay. I'm reading um, the bit about similar gestures, and it doesn't say anything about the the archers. So maybe that is a a, a just a urban legend. Oh my god! But it does say that in. In the UK, Ireland, Australia, and New Zealand, the V sign is the equivalent of the finger. Yeah, they when I when I was deployed, they told us not to use the I believe it's the thumbs up sign. Oh, okay, that's offensive somewhere. Yeah, it's it? the thumbs up is like offensive somewhere, and then like the peace symbol, like the V with your fingers, is offensive. I mean, it's like, yeah, you don't want to give like something's always going to be offensive somewhere. Yeah. Um, man. Okay, so. Oh, and then yeah, I guess the episode ends at that point. I don't know why we're yeah I, we have fucking left that part out. So. <laughs> yeah, that's the end of the episode. Yep. We've talked about a lot of weird things tonight. <laughs> I need to keep track of uh, what we talk about, so when I post it on Twitter, I don't have to listen <laughs> to the episode and make notes. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. What were your thoughts on this episode? Yeah, it's as good as I remember it. It's a really, um, it's it's a strong episode. Um, I looked to see where I put it on my top, whatever they are, 100, no, 50, whatever they are, 56. And uh, I still agreed with where I put it. Where do you think I put it? Mm, Actually, it's 54. Should be 54. It should be 54. Anyways, it doesn't fucking matter. I'm just splitting hairs here uh let's see uh see my problem is that i need to have kept track of other episodes Mm. um let me just ask this question 
have we discuss have we discussed all of your top ten? Um, no. Okay, I'm gonna put this one at number seven. Okay, interesting. No, it's slightly lower than that. I put it at number ten. Ah, oh, fuck, so close. So close, but yeah, it's a high one for me. I figured with the way that we have both been praising this episode that we were going to be dealing with a top tenner here. Yeah, I think it's got everything. It's got an interesting uh, one-time character. Super Hands is brilliant in it. It's got some really quotable lines, and Mark and Jeremy are out of their normal environment, so they're kind of wackier than usual. You know, that was one thing that I really noticed in this episode, too, was just how much of this just takes... You know, it's very similar to um, Quantalking, where we're in just an area, parts of parts, you know, we see a lot of, you know, things that we don't normally see in the show. So mm. I always really enjoy when that happens. Yeah, no, it's a really great episode. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Let's see here. So next week, when we talk about Mark's women, and we are very... Uh, well, I'm excited. I'm sure you're excited too. Well, actually, I know you're excited because we've already talked about it. But in addition to watching the episode, we are also going to be recapping Sophie's Peep Show. Yes, which was a DVD extra originally, I believe. And do you want to tell them a little bit about Sophie's Peep Show? So it is a few scenes from the episode, um, and they're exactly the same as we see them in the episode Um played out but instead of hearing mark's inner monologue we hear sophie's inner monologue for the first and only time and it gives me a new appreciation for sophie's character and it also really makes me sad that uh that we don't really yeah that we don't really get to hear sophie in this uh you know context very often yeah it was it made me think how what a different show it would be and how differently we'd probably feel about sophie and mark's relationship if we'd heard it all from sophie's point of view yeah um so yeah so in addition to mark's women we will also be just it will be intertwining sophie's peep show into there um this season hasn't really had any deleted scenes so uh we're kind of two seasons back to back without deleted scenes now yeah they've just got it spot on every time yeah. apparently so there was no need to do have deleted scenes yeah um was there anything you've been, other than the Olympics, anything else you've been watching or listening to this week you wanted to discuss? Oh, uh, well, I think we can probably both talk about Ella Bowe's wonderful MLM blog. Yeah, so um, this was something that I posted on my Facebook, wasn't it? And I had just found it randomly on a thread on Mumsnet. And it was um, a an English woman who has um, written a blog sort of talking about her times as a uh, MLM uh, seller for a makeup brand in this country. And she's kind of started a movement to try and let everyone know what a scam MLM is. And what does that stand for? Multi-level, Multi-level marketing. marketing. It's definitely yeah, not so... a pyramid scheme. <laughs> yeah, definitely not a pyramid scheme. Um, so she has, yeah, she started this campaign and she's written this blog and she's, written her whole story in like i think it's in about 15 chapters yeah it's of of how she got into it and how it ultimately she got out of it and it's really compelling it's so well written she's a really talented writer it's so gripping i i ended up like i woke up i I really just wanted to go back to sleep yesterday but i started reading it and then i just couldn't stop i was so it was so compelling to me Mm. and um and aside from the story the 15 parts she's also 
gathered loads of stuff of like talking to people who were involved in MLM schemes and um, different information about them. And it's really interesting. And I know we were interested in it. My friend Catherine, uh, she started reading it and she was texting me last night and was like, who knew A, these things were so evil and B, this was so fascinating. Like I've been reading this all evening kind of thing. Um, and yeah, so it's well worth you having a look at that. Um, her blog is L-E-L-L-E-B-O-V-E-A-U blog.com. And there's loads of stuff on there. It's well worth a look. I just found it so compelling. But, you know, like, so obviously, you know, I think, um, you know, I'm just going to say I believe that MLMs are scams and that they're, you know, but I have a friend who, after years of trying to find a job and not really being satisfied, started working for Sensi. Right. Is that the candle one? Yes. Yes. It's like the candle. It's the like the wax warmer not candle but right, it's like the yeah, warmers. Right, yeah, yeah, the burner thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, she has made a pretty good living off of Sensi. Like it Really? Yeah. I mean, there was a period of time where her husband was out of work that her Sensi job was their primary source of income. So, you know, it interesting. I mean, someone must be making money out of it because otherwise it wouldn't work. But from what I gather from reading this blog is that the people that get in early are the ones that make the money. So yeah, the people that are essentially at the top of the pyramid. Oh my god! <laughs> even though it's definitely not a pyramid scheme because that's illegal, um, it's the people that at the top of the pyramid, uh, at the top of the chain, are making the money. But the people on the bottom, obviously, can never make money. And this is really what L talks about in her blog: is that it wouldn't matter how much work you put in if you're on the bottom of that pyramid, you're never going to make any money out of it. My friend got married a couple years ago, and um, ex-wife's father works for a MLM company called Amway. Her dad was like, hey, you know, um, I've got this big house. Like, what I will do is the wedding party can just stay at, you know, can just stay at the house. That way they don't have to get a hotel. And we were like, oh, my God, that is so generous of you. You know, mm. thank you. Oh, my gosh, this is so nice. Thank you. Except he spent the entire, like, three days that we were there trying to get us into Amway. <laughs> oh my god, that sounds intense. Oh my god. So, you know, he'd be like, hey guys, would you like something to drink? <laughs> and, you know, we'd go, oh yeah, sure, that'd be great. And he'd go, here, try this. It's like Red Bull, but has half the sugar. And, you know, you drink it, and, and he'd go, oh, so what did you think of that? And you're like, oh, eh, that was pretty good. And he was like, yeah, you know, uh, if you want to buy some from me, you can. And then, uh, and so he must have known that my my friend's brother was kind of like a sad sack, because he would just go, you know, uh, if you want, you can, you know, I I would totally drive down to Kansas and and you know, teach you how to sell this stuff and you know, oh my gosh, yeah, it'd be be fantastic for you, you know, oh, oh it's so sad. It's so that's the problem is that it just it targets. I mean, obviously not everyone who's doing it is vulnerable, but it, it's got a real reputation for targeting the vulnerable yeah oh yeah and i really do think that there's um you know a real kind of problem with this and and i don't know if it's the same over there but over here it's definitely mothers that are targeted and i think a lot of that is to do with the fact that no one is addressing how tricky it is to be a working mother sometimes and that these jobs seem to promise the earth because 
is perfect because you can work from home and there aren't really any real working from home opportunities but they're just scams and they're they're sucking in these poor women who've got no other options and it's just depressing yeah i mean that's what i thought was so interesting and um i can't remember the one woman's name if it was Brittany or whatever but the one that like kind of got out quick and oh yeah i um, think it was Brittany. yeah the one who she'd spent her children's birthday money on the stuff yeah <laughs> and you know it just man uh, like it anyways don't want to like talk too much about it but it <laughs> It is a very compelling read and is awesome. Yeah, no, I I highly recommend going and having a look at it. And she's on Twitter as well with her campaign to uh, uncover these shady goings on in MLM. So well worth following her on Twitter as well. Yeah, and I'm going to go on her Patreon page and like throw her a fiver. Yeah, good plan. And, you know, if you like this episode, you could go (laughs) onto our Patreon. I'm just saying, you know. (laughs) Yeah, throw us a fiver please yeah <laughs> if only for my spiraling prescription costs uh hey at least you didn't have to pay for your endoscopy that's true that is true it was free it was horrible but it was free so i can't really moan yeah all right well that is uh i think that is everything and yeah yeah so laura you have a better day all right so this is the l dude brother signing off eh, eh, eh. Eh. Goodbye. I am in loco parentis. I am the last remaining contestant of The Apprentice. I am the home trained dentist. Ay, 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 ay,